The book of Jude, the next to last book of the Bible, is actually titled Judah, the name of the southern kingdom in ancient Israel. In the Greek, however, the name is Judas. While it's a tiny book, most Christians have never read it. Yet its primary message is that truth is worth fighting for, as Brian Simmons says in his introduction to the book. The book is to a community of believers who have been influenced to accept false doctrine, particularly twisting the concept of God's grace. Yet at least one and possibly two extra-biblical books are mentioned, the Assumption of Moses and the Book of Enoch. Some have gone so far as to reject the book of Jude because he quotes from these books, which actually may be the same book. Yet quoting from non-biblical books does not rule out a text from being part of Scripture. Jude warns of people who bring division to the church and advocate distortions of the truth. Yet at the same time, Jude speaks of spiritual treasures, such as praying in the Spirit and keeping ourselves passionate for the Lord. Jude, or Judah, was a half-brother of Jesus. Another half-brother was named Jacob, who we know as James, the author of another book of the New Testament. There may have been as many as four half-brothers of Jesus. These were guys that knew Jesus well, probably from a baby, but they didn't know Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of humanity. It was only after the resurrection that they believed. How difficult it must have been for Jesus to know his brothers so well, yet not be believed by those in his family. But with the resurrection, at least Judah and Jacob, who we know as James, became convinced of Jesus' divinity, and here Judah even states he is the loving servant of Jesus. Note that instead of introducing himself as the brother of Jesus, he says he is the brother of James, or Jacob, in verse 1. This reflects, certainly, a strong degree of humility. A key purpose of the letter is stated in verse 3, to defend the belief in Jesus from being negated by false teachers. Here an athletic metaphor is implied by the phrase contend for, which Paul commonly used, most likely referring to a race or some other kind of contest. The false teachers were perverting the message of Jesus by advocating sexual immorality as some did in some of the other early churches at the time, thus turning against Jesus and biblical morality. See verse 5. There is a key insight here that the pre-incarnate Christ delivered the Hebrews from Egyptian slavery. That's also in verse 5. But he also destroyed those who turned to unbelief. Judah compares them to the fallen angels who rebelled against God by having sexual relations with women in the line of Seth. See Genesis 6, verses 1 through 4, and 2 Peter 2, verses 4 through 8. As a result, they were bound in eternal chains, 
and placed in the netherworld a dark and little-known holding place for those held for eternal death. The offspring of these liaisons with the offspring of Seth were called the Nephilim, strong giants, and their actions helped bring about the worldwide flood of Noah. Many church leaders affirmed the book of Enoch at the time Jude was written, great leaders of the church as well as Jewish leaders who were sympathetic to Christianity. The sexual sin mentioned here included homosexuality, but other forms of sexual deviation as well, such as pedophilia, sorcery, and worship of other gods, I described in the book of Second Enoch. First Enoch states that there were 200 of these fallen angels at the time of the flood, and they were called watchers. They engaged in some of the sins of Sodom, Judah tells us, and the consequence would be eternal fire if they refused to turn to God. There is a novel titled Nephilim, published by Zondervan, who is a Christian publisher, which weaves into the storyline material about extraterrestrials. There is also a cheaply made movie titled The Watchers, which I found boring, but I enjoyed the Nephilim novel. Of course, most of these are sheer speculation. They're novels. In verse 8, sensual dreamers are mentioned, perhaps those whose lusts are vented in unrestrained imagination. Judah states that they also rejected the spiritual realms of governmental powers and heavenly glories, which Brian Simmons explains are the highest levels of angelic beings. Michael, the archangel, had a dispute with the devil over Moses' body, but refused to insult Satan. Instead, he said, The Lord rebuke you. We must be careful not to exercise authority that we do not have. We have no authority over Satan, but God does. The Lord rebuke you is a call for God to be involved without trying to exercise that power for ourselves. In verse 10, Judah speaks of acting like irrational beasts by doing whatever we want, much as an animal would. This is tied to greed in gaining money. Judah mentions Cain, Balaam, and Korah's rebellion in which the earth swallowed up 250 men. We too can be swallowed by our greed for things of the world. This is Brother Don.